All right, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to look at verse 18. Just one verse today. And um, just to remind us, this is a season of uh, thanksgiving as we express gratitude to God. We think about that in a very deliberate way. This um, passage is one of those uh, places in Scripture where the Bible reminds us how important it is to live as grateful people. It's easy to forget, I think. And uh, let's look together there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, just one verse today, verse uh, 18. And there the Bible says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the worship we've already enjoyed as we open up our hearts. We sing to you, God, you're worthy to be worshipped. You created us. You made us for yourself. God, we don't deserve any of the goodness that we've received, and yet you're kind and you uh, care for us, Lord, and we thank you. And I pray that you'll help us in this season where we uh, just pause as a country and we think about the source of our blessings, God, that you will help us to be a grateful people, to live not only um, a little bit of the year that way, but, God, all the time that we'll live as thankful people. And we ask you to help us now as we think about your word. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I don't know if sociologists and physicians are the best people to go to uh, for definitions of gratitude, but this week as I was looking at this idea of expressing thanks to God, I was was reading some um, some of those some articles that have been written that talk about like the physiological uh, blessing of being a thankful person, and there's evidence that being a thankful person makes you just a physically healthier person. And um, I, th- I think that's a fascinating idea to, uh, to think about. One writer who was talking about gratitude, a lady named Susan Allen, said it's the social glue that fortifies relationships. That's the way she talked about it, between friends, family, and romantic partners and serves as the backbone of human society. So we just know practically that we feel better when we're around people who are grateful versus people who grumble, right? Don't you realize that in your own, uh, like I feel sorry for my wife sometimes, because I can get in this pattern of just being a, a grumbler. And I know that it's much better to be around people who are grateful and express that and are centered in that reality Gratitude, when we think about what it is, seems to be a, 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 a awareness. A fi- sometimes we would say maybe it's a feeling or an emotion. But what you know, when you try to describe what gratitude is, it it really is a recognition of the fact that things have come to us that that came outside ourselves. You know, sometimes I think about that in my old office where I used to work. I had a a um, cork board, and I would write. I, didn't, I wouldn't write, but I would uh, push pin all the thank you notes I got onto this cork board, this bulletin board I had in my office. And it was helpful for me sometimes to th- to just look at the thank you notes that people had written and be reminded that what I was doing had significance or meaning. But, you know, the, the part of that that someone had to do was to sit down and write a note. And sometimes I'll write notes to others just to express gratitude So sometimes thanks doesn't only come from God, ultimately it does, but it also comes from others and our awareness that like 
it's good for us to express things. It's good for us to say, hey, what you did encouraged me, helped me, blessed me. I can tell you like now, I don't have a board like that in my office because there's a marker board in, the, in there. I need to take it down and put up a cork board. But it is extremely meaningful to me when people say thank you. And I know it's meaningful to you when people recognize and say thank you. And so the Bible reminds us again and again how important it is to express gratitude to God because God's the source of everything, but to others who are moved to be to express gratitude toward us as well and for us to be grateful to those people in our life that we just need to hear that from us sometimes. So it's a feeling or emotion that's centered in a reality of God's providential care for us and also from the reality that other people help us and care for us at times. And it's, it's a deliberate behavior. And so the passage that we're looking at this morning is located in the middle of a bunch of ethical directions that you get at the end of a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Thessalonica. So he gets to the end of this and he just basically says, look, this is how Christians behave. These are the attributes that when they're present in your life, people can know that you're a follower of Jesus. And one of them that he highlights in this place is the idea of being thankful and grateful as a way of life. And so this message today will help us think about how do we consistently be grateful people? Why is it important? Why does the Bible prompt us toward this kind of uh, behavior. And so together we'll look at three truths from this passage, I think, that we can see that will cause us to uh, be more grateful and to think about how gratitude honors God. That's where we want to go. So the first idea, the truth that I, I saw, thought about in my preparation, is that being thankful doesn't always come naturally or easily. If it did, the Bible wouldn't have to tell us like 46 times in the epistles of Paul to be thankful the way it does. And that's only in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there are many, many other places where the Bible says, hey, you down there, be grateful, be thankful. Open your eyes up. Look around and realize that you are richly blessed. This is what the Bible is trying to say to us. You have been blessed by God. And so again and again, we have this so why does the Bible have to command us to be thankful in everything? I mean, I can speak from my own experience because it's easier at times to get my eyes on my problems than my blessings. My problems are screaming for my attention, and they, it's easier to look at those things than to, than to look at the ways that I'm blessed. It's easier to feel entitled than it is to think God, and, and to think that God owes us something than it is to see that no... Really, we are the constant recipients of grace, God's goodness. The fact that God is pouring out blessings in our life all the time. But, man, we live in a culture where it's really easy to feel entitled. Westerners, you know, we have so much and we take so much for granted. And it's easy for us to lose sight of the fact that God has been so good to us in so many ways. A lot of people will journal and keep gratitude lists. I think it's a healthy practice to, you know, write down our blessings. Sometimes force yourself out of your funkiness, you know. Sometimes my brain will just be in this funky place. And it's like a gratitude list is a good way for me to be deliberate and intentional about what does the old song say? Count your blessings. See what God's done. 
So sometimes disappointment can obscure God's uh, reality from people. We, uh, all of us at times are going to experience disappointment. There are uh, goals that we have, aspirations that we were committed to that don't happen, or they don't happen in our timing. And so disappointment sometimes can cause us not to realize how good God is to us. And it seems easier to complain than to praise. I think that's why the Bible interrupts us and says, uh, you ungrateful people, <laughs> be grateful. Turn your eyes toward God and listen to him and realize where, where the source of the goodness that you enjoy comes from. It's easier to complain than to praise, I find. Sometimes it's because I've trained myself to complain. I've trained myself to do that. The Mayo Clinic, when, when they thought about gratitude, and again, sometimes when you listen to physicians or, or, or sociologists, it's like you, you heard about the person that dissected the cat to see where that neat purring sound came from. You kind of you lose it in the process. That's kind of that's what it's like sometimes, but but it's helpful to uh, Mayo Clinic says expressing gratitude is associated with a host of mental and physical benefits, and studies have shown that feeling thankful can improve sleep, mood, and immunity. Gratitude uh, gratitude can decrease depression, anxiety, difficulties with chronic pain, and risk of disease. And uh, the article said if a pill could do this, everybody would be taking it, right? Your brain is designed to problem-solve rather than appreciate, which is probably neurologically accurate. You've been created, designed, so that your brain looks at all of the problems on the horizon. That's how I am. When I wake up, I'm like, okay, this is wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. What do I have to do to make this better? But in the process, sometimes we we forget what, what the brain also can do is be interrupted, and that's what the article said. You often must override this design to reap the benefits of gratitude. Overriding the design of just thinking about problem solving and fixating on the negative means that I have to be grateful. I have to make myself do that as an aspect of my worship and praise. I heard uh, this preacher in a message say if you sent a buzzard up and you asked him to give you a report he would come back and he would say well I saw a dead armadillo and I saw a dead possum and you know I saw a dead cat because that's what's on his radar that's what he's looking for and you know when we think about ourselves when I set my sights on what is good you know, when I learn to look in my environment and look at my life and instead of fixating on all the things that are problematic and wrong, to go, no, also this is true. It's also true that God is richly blessing me in innumerable ways that I need to meditate on. But it takes practice. And I, and, and, but when we practice, we can find reasons to be thankful. It takes purposeful conviction to obey God because it's a matter of obedience, right? The Bible's uh, commanding us to be grateful. Then not to be grateful is to be a disobedient person, which even, you know, complicates things more as disobedience always does. But that's the first thing I thought about. Why are we commanded? Because we're not always good at it. Because it's not always the uh, default way we behave and think. But also, when we're thankful, we recognize 
that God has been good to us. We see his goodness. That's why the scripture says, in everything give thanks, for this is, this is the will of God in Christ for you. So we can meditate on God's goodness. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He said, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And I think about how is the, the thief still in joy? How does he come into my life, the thief is the adversary, the evil one? How, in what ways does he steal joy from us? I think one of the ways he does that is by causing uh, negativity and distraction so that we lose sight of all the reasons God has uh, in our life that we could be joyful. So he steals true life from us. True life is life that's lived in uh, as a worshiper of God. That's God's highest purpose for anybody in life is for us to ascribe praise to our creator. When you, The word Judah that God named the nation of Israel, one of the names that he ascribed to them are the word Jews, Jewish. Is The word in Hebrew meant praise. Praise. They were a praise to God. They were from their life offering consistent worship to God. And that's his purpose. And so one of the ways Satan steals joy is, or he steals from us, is he steals our joy, steals our focus about what life really means because of who God really is. I have an artistic temperament. Some of you are artists too, like music, art. I like to write. And what I think goes along with that sometimes, uh, unfortunately, is that I can tend to have a glass half empty point of view. Artists suffer, right? You've heard that. Suffering is a good palette where art comes from. It's like uh, part of the, some of the best music you ever heard came out of suffering, right? The blues. We call it uh, names like that. And I have that kind of personality. So I think uh, sanguine is the way that people describe it. Like I contend toward the blue in my own life. And I'm just telling you how, how it is. This is the truth about me. I catastrophize. Anybody else do that? Like when I look at the future, all I can see is like how this is going to go off the rails and go badly. And I don't know what in my experience caused it to be that way, but I can, I'm just telling you, that's how I sometimes catastrophize. And it's, it steals my joy. I can undermine my own faith. It's, I, it signals my thoughts. You know how the bat signal works? It's like you shoot, when they shoot the light up there in the sky, it's got a bat in the middle of it. If it were my thoughts, it would be like the poo emoji on Facebook. That's what would be shooting up there in the sky. My thoughts, that's what they're like. And it shrouds my mind and hides the wonders. This is the uh, the def- defect in it. That it shrouds my mind and hides the wonders of the world of blessing God's provided. On my worst days, I'm morbid in my obsession with frustration and problems. I can destroy by harboring this flawed perspective the vista of beauty and life and abundance that any fool could see if he'd only open his eyes. That's the struggle for me to get to being a grateful human being. It's to overcome my own internal way of being 
And it's, it's my task as a worshiper. It's, it's what God says, hey, look, do you want to be a less sinful, more obedient human? Then you've got to overcome your own internal disposition. Melody Beatty, a writer, said, she writes a lot about codependency, but she says that gratitude turns what we, we have into enough. That's a good, a good thought. Gratitude turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos into order, confusion into clarity. It makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. In other words, if you thought, how can I go to work on me? How can I make me a better person immediately? How can I get a payoff that comes just like that? The way you do it is by being grateful, by expressing thanks, by being more dialed into the goodness of God and his provision and care for you. When God created the world, you remember what he said about it? What did he say about it? He said, this is good, this is good, this is good, this is very good. Over and over again, God's perspective on the world that he created is that it's a good world. Part of, you know, when we think about how how God has created the world that we're a part of and the fact that he made it good is, is that I remember he's championing help for me. That's who God is. He's the person who champions help and hope in our in our life. I was reading in Romans chapter 8 this week that and it came to mind where the Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? When you read the rest of that chapter, it's a litany of promises that God makes toward those that belong to him. And it says things like we're more than conquerors through him, him who loved us. It, it, uh, in that passage, it says he set us free, taking our condemnation on, him, on himself. Isn't that a powerful truth that he took your condemnation? There's therefore no, uh, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. He took our condemnation on himself and, it, and set us free, it says in that passage of scripture. He adopted us into his family. He took us, we were outsiders, and he made us insiders. He took people that didn't belong, by grace made us belong, brought us into his family, called us his children. But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become children of God, to those that believe in his name, the Bible says. So he brings us into his family, and he even infused our suffering with meaning. That passage says in Romans chapter 8, so that now it doesn't say, hey, listen, you're a Christian, you won't suffer anymore. That's not realistic. That's not how anybody experiences life. But now suffering is filled with meaning because we know the one that made us and we know his purpose for us. And so in Romans 8, we see that he even takes the suffering, the difficulty that we experience, the losses that we feel, and he fills them full of meaning. He removed the futility of the curse. The Bible says the whole creation has been groaning until now because it was suffering a curse that came into the world because of sin and death. And the Bible says that as the creation was groaning, it's like he, he overcame the curse. How did he do that? By 
offering himself to, uh, in our place by coming and becoming the savior of people. God having this human life and God taking our punishment and our taking the curse on himself. God being cursed for a cursed race and being raised from the dead in triumph over death and over the curse of sin. Suffering in our place. The scripture there says, in everything God works together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. All this is packed into Romans chapter 8. In everything God is working together for good to those that love him and are called according to, to his purpose. It sounds a lot like what the scripture is saying here where it says, in everything give thanks. Why? Because I realize that even when things don't feel good, even when things uh, don't appear to be going good, that God's working good. That's what the scripture promises. Well, that's good news. That helps me. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, it says in Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Thankfulness is seeing God's care and provision we see in the scripture, but also being thankful is clearly presented as the will of God. People are all the time like, I uh, was talking to somebody recently, and um, the person was saying, I, I want to know God's will for my life. And uh, I thought, well, some of God's will is obvious, you know, like you're married. It was God's will that you married this person, that you, you know, and you live that out. And then you just get up every day and you, you know, commit yourself to obeying God in that day. God's will sometimes is uh, very obvious in ways like that. But then there are places in the scripture where we, if we said, hey, I want to know God's will for my life. Well, the Bible says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we know without a doubt that being grateful, expressing that is God's will. The scripture says specifically giving thanks is his revealed will for us. So part of what that means in Christ, which is, you know, the context, the person that belongs to Jesus, is grateful attentiveness to his goodness, whether life seems fair or unfair. Does your life seem unfair right now? Well, sometimes that is a person's perspective. My life, stuff in my life doesn't feel fair right now. Things in my life don't feel just right now. If I were writing the story, I would write it differently than it's being written right now. But the scripture says, look, God is good whether your life feels fair or unfair. In fact, I find am finding that navigating disappointment or loss can be a time that's particularly fraught with losing my perspective about God being just and expressing thanks. When stuff seems difficult, really it's easier to lose perspective about God's goodness. And that's why I think these reminders in Scripture are helpful, that God doesn't stop being good just because life got complicated or frustrating. God's still good even when your life is complicated and frustrating. That's what the Scripture is trying to drive home to us. If I really want an opportunity to graduate to a new level of discipleship, I'm, I'm convinced that it's right here. You, you think, I want to grow as a disciple of Christ. Well, the Bible is providing for us instructions about how to do that. This is grad school. 
for those of us that say, hey, I want to mature as a follower of Christ. In the New Testament alone, as I say, there are 46 times that the Bible says be, be a thankful person. Only in the writings of Paul, not including other places. Negatively, we find that God is deeply displeased with murmuring and complaining among his people. 1 Corinthians 10, 10, the Bible says, don't you murmur as some of them murmured and God sent among them the destroyer. It's, it, it, the whole chapter is about the people of Israel in the desert, in the, in the wilderness. So don't murmur as some of them murmured and God sent the destroyer to destroy them, the Apollyon, the destroyer. That's how much God hates complaint and murmuring in the mouths of his people. Instead, the Bible says, by him, that is through Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to God. The fruit of our lips. What comes out of the essence of who we are when we understand ourselves in Jesus. G.K. Chesterton was a uh, newspaper man and philosopher of another generation He's called the. He didn't write a lot of books. He wrote a bunch of articles. He did. There is a book, Orthodoxy, that some people have tried to read. <laughs> I say tried to read because if you can actually read it, you you know, or a whole other, you're on a whole other level. Okay. But um, it's he has these quips and sound bites that stand out historically. He said, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Gratitude, he says, is happiness doubled by wonder. So all the scientific and sociological studies that I, and I read, you know, just a few things looking uh, through, preparing for the message today, all of them agree that grateful people are healthier people. People who learn how to be a thankful human being are better off than those who do not. I think they all struggle to express what artists, poets, theologians do a much better job of saying like this in Scripture, which is mainly that it's God's will in Christ that we be a grateful people. It begins in recognition of God's greatest provision for us, that in Christ God was reconciling us to himself, not counting our sins against us. And he says that he committed to us a ministry of reconciliation. So that's where it starts. Where do you, you know, we think, how do I begin to have a transformed personality? It begins in us humbling ourselves and receiving Christ. That's the, the phrase the Bible uses to describe how you start on this pathway as a disciple of Jesus. We receive him. We trust him. We place our faith in him. We repent of our sins. And that's the beginning place where every person who's honest will say, I'm disappointed in my own self at times. And that's only measured against your own standard. But the Bible says that God has a perfect standard and that all have sinned and come short of that standard. And there's not one righteous person, not even one. And But the good news is that the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says that it's by grace that you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of work so that none could boast. God did for us 
fully and completely all that we need to belong to him, to be part of his family through faith. It's a matter of us surrendering our will and receiving him into our lives. I always think of um, that experience in my own life as like an intersection. Really and truly, it was a crisis. The crisis in my life was, am I going to keep, you know, destroying my own life through my own ways? Or am I going to recognize that I was created for something completely different than this? And at that intersection, my need opened my heart up to receive Christ and his forgiveness. And it was a crisis. But I'm grateful for that crisis. I was thinking about it yesterday, riding a visit with family. You know, you start reflecting on your own history. And you can see, even in the long view, God's providential care. You know, I can see God's providence in my in my life, how he was setting up circumstances and bringing me, really funneling me to that encounter. And maybe that's where life finds you today, at a place where this first step for you living a life as a grateful person is just recognizing this great, big, providential way God has been faithful in your life to make an answer for your need of forgiveness. And, and that's what Jesus came to do. We're going to have a, a time of commitment now. Each week I stand in front of the congregation. We'll be happy to pray with you as you uh, think about uh, what God is saying. You know, we've been talking for weeks about uh, connecting with this church and becoming members. If this is the place that God wants you to serve, we'd be uh, glad for you to follow God in that way. We are a church when we're honest with ourselves that is uh, in a kind of a comeback mode. And we we need people to love this church with us, love this church family, and help us live out God's mission together, to be to be knit together. And so I'm probably going to say that more often. You know, especially as we have guests, we, we need people to love this church, to love the community where God's placed it, and to be part of the answer uh, by being faithful people together on mission in, in the way that God's calling us to be. I want to pray for us. If there's a way that you need to respond, I encourage you to do so during the invitation time. God, we are grateful that you have loved us with such an incredible love. God, that you have proven yourself faithful. And day after day, God, we live in a world that is perfectly set up in, in the way that it, it functions to give us life. And you've given meaning to life through yourself and your revelation. You didn't leave us wondering what life means. You came to us and you spoke to us in Christ. And so we pray today, God, that you would bless our congregation, bless our lives, God, as we uh, just try to flesh out this uh, command, this challenge to, to live as grateful people. God, interrupt us at times when we need to be interrupted and show us what what a, a life can be like, a better life as we give ourselves completely to you. And we pray it in Christ's name, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing?